Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Sincere Hogan. That's me and my partner, Mike Mahler, on the other line. Hey, Mike, what's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. We've got a great guest on today. We've got my buddy, Tim Larkin, and Tim is a self-defense expert. We're going to get into his unique style of self-defense. But for those of you that live in Vegas, he also puts on weekly midget throwing contests. And Tim, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tim, Tim. <laughs> and to be politically correct, that's little people tossing. Yeah, okay. don't, I, don't, I don't want any vertically challenged people sending me yeah. hate mail. All right. we, don't want, we don't want Chewy Bravo coming off of Chelsea lately trying to look for us, man, or something like that. So. But I, I believe you have a couple of world titles in midget, midget throwing, Tim. Is that correct? <laughs> You know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm up for defending it, and uh, I'm just wondering if I just want to let the record stand. You know, <laughs> pass the torch. <laughs> well, when you're not tossing midgets out the window, you also make a living as a I, – I don't even like to call what you do self-defense because it seems much more proactive than that. So let's yeah. get into that a little bit. Targetfocustraining.com is your website, and you're also the author of – Survive the Unthinkable, A Total Guide to Women's Self-Protection. And when did that come out, Tim? Is that a new book? Yeah, it came out uh, end of August, and um, yeah, it was great. It was, it was a really successful uh, um, run, and uh, we're doing a second promotion for it right after the new year, which will be great. But yeah, we hit New York Times with it, and uh, got a lot of great press. And as controversial as the approach was, uh, you know, it was it was nice. I had a forward by Tony Robbins, which really helped, and his support yeah, was fantastic. outstanding. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. And you just you just spoke at one of his events, didn't you? Yeah. All, last week I was in Kauai all last week uh, for his Platinum Partners, and uh, I did a week long program where I was presenting a couple of hours a day uh, to a couple hundred people and uh, training, and it was it was great. I mean, Tony always puts on amazing events, and they're always in these incredible areas of the world. And yeah. it's the fourth one, yeah. fourth one I fourth one I've done for him and um okay. yeah it, was, it, sounds, it was like, really sounds like a tough gig there it sounds like a tough tough rough trip <laughs> you have to take <laughs> I'll tell you though I'll tell you the one thing about that guy is uh you know I feel sorry for these guys they pay an amazing amount of money to be part of this particular part of his group it's kind of like his his top you know his top level group yeah and yeah, these poor these, right. these these poor bastards go to like the most beautiful places in the world that they never get to see they never right. get to see it yeah it was, it's funny yeah my wife was in the group mastery for a while and she was talking about going to fiji but i'm like what's the point of going to fiji when you're never going to see it now it was going to be great for me because i was going to enjoy it because i didn't sign up for it so it had been a vacation for me but she would have seen the island the entire time she would have been there i think it would have been like six days or something like that so i'm like what's the point <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they they love the program. I mean, it's an amazing content that they get. But I'll tell you, it's like going to a five star boot camp, basically. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, like she would come in like two or three in the morning, just beat. I'm just tired. She's like, oh my god, this man does not stop. I mean, this dude goes on and on with no breaks. She's no, like, this guy. He's like, he never pees. She's like, how does yeah. he sit there and go all day and never go to the restroom? No, love or love or hate Tony's material, and and I've got some reservations about some of it, but I have to admit, and I've been to his events before, he he's probably the best speaker I've ever seen. I mean, his his yeah. energy is ridiculous, and exactly. like what Sincere was saying, his ability to sustain that energy for eight hours or more, several days in a row, I, I've never seen anyone do that. So that's that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um it's amazing to see firsthand. And again, you know, uh, just the one thing I, the one thing I like about him is, regardless of you know uh, the content, and the material, and, and everybody, you know, hell, we all, you know, Mike. I mean, all of us get 
you know, people like us or hate us. There's, there's no in right. between. Right. Um, but what's, what's cool about him is he's, he's consistent. He, uh, he constantly, he's the real deal. I mean, I've dealt with a lot of VIPs, a lot of celebs. He came through my training and he was, you know, you talk about humble. He did it with a bunch of undercover cops, had no ego whatsoever, was super gracious. And if he asked a question, it was relevant to the material. And it was as a participant, you know, it was, it's a very rare thing because I've had a lot of, not so great experiences with VIPs and, and celebs. And, um, you know, that, that tells me a lot about the person, you know, without, so that, without naming names, what, what, are, what have been some of the difficulties you've had with various celebrities? Uh, a lot of them want the, uh, you know, my, my program's very different. My program involves the fact that, you know, you want to deal with real violence. And, you know, one of the factors is this isn't me hanging out. I'm not your, I'm not your personal trainer. I'm not there to hang and bro out with you. I'm giving you real information, and you need to work with a lot of different body types. You know, uh, that, that's the, the big deal is, um, you know, you, you never know in a, in a random act of violence what type of a body type you're going to do. So, you know, when you're looking at areas of the human body to, you know, to, to, to sustain injury on that, it's to your benefit to work with as many diverse body types as possible. And um, a lot of these guys you find out, they just want to kind of hang out with you and uh, they want to, you know, they, they want to tell you, they don't really want to learn yeah. uh, necessarily. They want the, they want to check the block, you know, that they've I know exactly out. what you're talking about. We've yeah. had that happen at our courses where people will show up just like friends of ours. And I'm like, all right, everyone go ahead and do three sets of this with your partner. And then they'll just come up to you and start chit chatting. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, you're part of the class, buddy. That includes you too. You know, Oh yeah. They think it's time to do a stop and chat. And I was like, I don't want to chat with you because I want to watch my students and correct their form. You know, I'm not telling them to go to go do steps so we can go hang out. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I've been at your events, and you got people that freaking they fly from all over the place to be there. Right, exactly, and, exactly. and the last thing you want to do is be talking to some knucklehead who's just like thinking he's hanging with you. You know? <laughs> yeah. So funny. I can, I can totally imagine that happening at your events because I I haven't been through your course, but I sat in on it for a little bit one time, and it, it's very hands-on and it's very intense, and you're a super no-nonsense guy. And, you know, we're friends, so I've hung out with you, and you're a, you're a great guy to hang out with. But, of course, when you're teaching, it's not hangout time. Just like with, with my events, a lot of people are paying a lot of money to come to your events from all over the world as well. And they're coming for that instruction. I mean, you can hang out afterwards if you want to do yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you owe it to those people to, you know, to give yeah. it 110 each time. Well, what do you think makes your system different than, let's say, other self-defense courses out there? Yeah, I was, like, I was just going to ask you that. Because, you know, you have a lot of folks now, especially with the growing popularity of MMA. It's, it's every MMA, MMA school around the corner now is trying to teach a self, quote, unquote, defense class. But one thing I noticed on that I've seen you say before that what you're teaching is not self-defense. It's self-protection. And there is a difference between the two. So what makes you – what helps your system stand out from all those guys who just pretty much have, okay, we teach MMA, martial arts, and we're going to teach you how to protect yourself? Yeah, well, well, there's there's a couple of things there's a couple of things to, to point out. First of all, you got to be careful how you talk about that. From my perspective, meaning um, I've got the greatest respect. I mean, Mike and I, you know, we, we we've been in Vegas a long time. I'm surrounded by a lot of UFC guys. I, you know, my new training center is right by Syndicate MMA, which has a ton of MMA um, uh, guys over there that are you know top competitors, and I get along great with everybody. And, and I respect the hell out of competitive combat sports. It's one of my favorite things to watch. Uh, the difference is applying 
um, you know, information that, you know, that they need a template. In order to take that competitive information and apply it on the street, you just, all you have to do is you have to, you know, give them a template that shows them what injury to the human body is. And, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we have to assume if we're going to be, um, if we're going to be facing a threat on the street, you know, it's, it's only logical to assume the threat's going to be bigger, faster, and stronger. They're going to carry weapons, and there's going to be more than one of them. So that needs to be your baseline affection. You know, when you look at objective acts of violence, meaning, you know, closed-circuit TV of violence, what you constantly see is the person that, that uh, you know, gets away with, um, you know, winning in, in a violent situation is the person that puts injury on the human body. Right. And, um what what we do is is we really I don't see myself as a guru and I don't see myself I am a master close combat instructor sure I've been doing it 25 years I've trained everybody there is to train as far as military and law enforcement as being elite and you know I got all my bona fides but I'm really all I am is I'm, I'm a technician I have technical information that I can give to anybody that they can objectively apply I don't need to have you. You know, only do TFT. I don't teach you to TFT people. I teach you what the tool of violence is and how to get results using violence to save your life. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, you know, in a MMA situation, you may have somebody that puts in a submission hold. You know, maybe they're 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 uh, taking the the elbow. You know, in a, in a uh, arm lock to the pathological limit, you know, in an arm bar and getting guys to tap out, or they're doing some sort of a manipulation of, you know, the knee joint or the uh, ankle joint to put a submission in. And that's all great information. Where it changes on the street is instead of taking it to the pathological limit to tap somebody out, to save your life, you know, you're going to have to break that joint, you know, and you're going to have to take it beyond that pathological limit because of the threat that you're facing on the street. And so what I can provide people is just really good objective information. That's the other thing that probably makes us a little bit different. We tell you don't believe a word we say. You know, we, we sit there and we, we give you our data. Our data on sports injury is, uh, is really where we come from, meaning the reason we use sports injury, uh, injury data is because it is all the places on the human body that show up in sports medicine as regularly being injured, meaning they cannot, you know, regardless of strength, regardless of ability, um, skill level, you cannot gut your way through one of these injuries. You know, there's approximately right. 70 areas in the human body that can get you um, an injury, in, 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 you know, a sports injury. And some of them have more than one target, I meaning they're bilateral. So you're looking at, a, you know, a, about 120 options on the human body. Now, you don't need to know all of those, but, you know, we, we, we show you, you know, nerves, bones, and organs, you know, that, you know, you cannot protect. And the idea is you're going to be either attacking a sensory system or a structure of the human body um, to protect yourself because these are areas that regardless of the bigger, faster, stronger area, we can all affect injury on, on people. Um, it's a very different application of the information, and one is not better than the other. You know, I have the greatest respect for combat sport guys. They, they, their training is amazing. Um, you know, their commitment to the, to the program is amazing. Um, so I take a guy like that and I give him, you know, this information for the street and those guys usually just, just do fantastically right away. So, um, I know a lot of guys in the industry, a lot of guys, especially in the reality self-defense industry, they take this really combative approach and this ridiculous approach mm-hmm. that's, that one is better than the other. It's, it's just, you know, it's absolutely asinine. I mean, a, a highly trained combat sport practitioner is an excellent, excellent 
person to give this information to because they're already committed. They've already got the tenacity. You just have to switch up a couple of the principles and the methods, you know, when you're applying stuff to the street. Right. But what I like about you, Tim, is you don't get stuck in these kind of wars that a lot of people like to waste time with. And we see that in our industry as well, kettlebell wars, the fitness oh system God, wars. Yeah. You focus on what you're doing and don't waste your time trying to defend it. You know, people come to your system, they see what it's all about. And, I mean, and the results yeah. speak for itself. But I think one thing I like about your system quite a bit is it's very proactive. So if you're in a situation where you feel like you're being threatened, you, know, you don't wait for the other person to make a move and put you in a vulnerable situation. You take charge of that. And I think that, that's one of the things that right away, to me, makes your system quite a bit different. How, how did you get into this whole industry? Does this, is this some, a system that you came up with all on your own, or did you work with someone else for a while and then branch no. off? How, how did this whole thing start off? No, not at all, dude. Just like you know, you, you use that hackneyed phrase. Basically, I'm here because I've been standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, guys have come right, before. Right. And and I mean, you know, I truly in my situation that that's the case. I mean, I see myself basically as the as the 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 true the promoter and the and the cheerleader. And, and yeah, I'm a a master instructor. But I saw this approach to information, you know, some 25 years ago. And for me. It originally, it, it triggered, you know, I was at that time I was in special operations community. I had just uh, sustained an injury um, uh, in the SEAL teams and it basically ended my career. It was a diving accident and they had to switch me over to special operations intelligence. Uh, and I worked, I worked in a, in a program where they were actually looking at hand-to-hand combat. They were looking to redo hand-to-hand combat. You know, at that time, um, the Berlin Wall had just come down. Communism was, was basically, you know, dying off. Soviet Union was breaking up. And what was really interesting was the guys I was involved with at that level, and these were some of the legends in the SEAL teams, um, they were looking at the world and they were saying, okay, they basically predicted what we're dealing with today, you know, the, the types of wars that we're, we're fighting today. Um, back then, you know, we were worried about the big Soviet threat, and so, you know, the, the applications were different. Hand-to-hand combat really wasn't looked at back then. Um, they realized with the breakup of the Soviet Union that there were going to be a lot more smaller wars. They, at that time, we were calling it low-intensity conflict, and they understood, you know, basically we were going to be kicking doors and putting hands on people again, and that we currently weren't prepared for that um, with the methodologies we were using back then. <clears throat> so I was involved, and the only reason I got involved, it, I had no combat experience. I had nothing. I, I, was, I was basically a guy that just got hurt in a diving accident that was going to SEAL Team 4. And um, they liked me because I had a good martial arts background. My grandfather was a, um, you know, a South Boston boxer, brought me up, taught me boxing right away. And what was really interesting about him, uh, uh, you know, I look back as a young kid. Here I am, like, between 4 and 8, hanging out with my grandfather while he's kind of taking me to boxing gyms and, and doing all this. He always said to myself and my cousins, boys, this is what you do in the ring, but in the street, this is what you do. And basically what he was saying was, hey, you play by the rules in the ring. It's an amazing sport. But if you're out here and somebody's trying to hurt you, you need to make sure you hurt them first because that's how you're going to survive. And, you know, as a little kid, I mean, I'm sure my mom, if she had any idea, you know, know, (laughs) my mom and my aunt had any idea how my uncle, he would tell him he's going to take us to the circus and stuff, and he'd take us to the gym, (laughs) you know. He was was just a a great guy. Um, But, you know, that was kind of my introduction early on. It didn't really make sense, but years later that came into play um, as I was looking. And when I saw this approach, I I ran into my original instructor, Jerry Peterson, and uh, he was a Vietnam vet. He had also uh, studied a form of uh, Sansu Kung Fu under Jimmy Wu, who is a legend. 
Um, and Jerry basically took that idea, um, some of the great things that he learned from Sansu. And Sansu has like a you know 600-year uh, history in it. Yeah. But Jerry training, you know, he was a tunnel rat in Vietnam. He killed a lot of people prior to, you know, he actually had to do hand-to-hand combat prior to this. And Jimmy, they were like kindred spirits because Jimmy was, a, you know, Jimmy was basically a triad thug. And that's how he taught. And uh, he taught injury. Now, you know, a guy like Jerry got it right away. And Jerry was able to take that and, and just really, you know, apply his, you know, his combat knowledge and take it to a level to where, you know, Jerry really understood that, hey, either you're the one doing the injuring or you're the one being injured. And so at that inception, you know, I got to meet this guy, ran into him randomly um, when I was in San Diego, and I ended up introducing him to this group of SEALs that were looking at revamping hand-to-hand combat. And that was it, man. That was just, and, you know, here I was, this kid with no experience other than I had martial arts experience, but I'm hanging out with these legends of the SEAL team. I'm basically a sparring partner for them, you know. And I end up, you know, sheepishly finding the guy that they just knew right away was the guy. And the reason they knew he was the guy was because he answered a question about a hostage takedown on a ship. It was a shipboarding uh, uh, incident where, you know, then SEAL Team 6, they were called SEAL Team 6 back then, um, was doing a boarding, and they were going through a hatch through, a, through one of the doors. The second guy in got grabbed by one of the bad guys and held up the rest of the train of guys. So there's the, the, the lead guys through the door fighting for his life, you know, literally shooting and fighting for his life while everybody's engaging with them. The door is jammed because of the way this guy gets attacked. Uh, the second guy gets attacked. And they had never been able, you know, they, they finally bored through it. A lot of people got hurt on that one. Um, but they could never figure out, hey, was there anything we could have done in this particular situation? And Jerry, literally before they were done defining the, the scenario, had everybody line up right then and there. I mean, I can see it clear as day. This happened like 26 years ago. And he answered the question right away, had the second guy come, and he basically told him, do this, and the whole train went in, meaning one simple straightforward movement um, that he had them do. It was nothing fancy, just very straightforward because he understood arcs and angles. Um, he answered a, a, you know, a highly technical um, you know, uh, counter-terrorist question right off the bat you know, that applied these principles that we're talking about. And that's what got him in. It wasn't the punching, the kicking. It wasn't the hand-to-hand. It was, hey, this synergistically works um, in any act of violence, with or without tools. And, and that was, to me, the fascinating part of it. Um, so, you know, you can see, even after all these years, now we've since then really been able to take it far. I mean, I've got 52 instructors. We do this stuff all over the world. The, get, the instructor base that I have is just amazing. Um, their backgrounds, I get several PhDs, several me- uh, medical doctors on, you know, that, that have become instructors. And what they've added to the mix, we've really, you know, from the days where I learned this stuff, we have radically improved our methods. The principles have always been the same, rock solid, but our methodology has really, in the last 25 years, just got to the point where this is the way I wish I had, you know, received the information. So clients today are getting results in literally hours that were taking us, you know, months, if not a year, to get before out of people. And that's the exciting part. That's very cool. And Jerry, I'm actually, I actually found out about you through Jerry Peterson because I remember I bought a 
I bought a fitness system, a bodybuilding system years ago, Optimum Training Systems, Leo yeah. Costa system. And yeah. he, had, he was doing a partnership with Jerry, and his company ended up sending me Jerry's video set by mistake. And uh, so while I had it, I was like, okay, I was like, all right, what's this stuff? And I started watching it. I was like, this is some good stuff. And then, I, and then they said, hey, we sent you the wrong package. Would you mind sending it back to us? And I was like, yeah, sure. And this is the good old days of DHS. So I made sure to copy yeah. each day <laughs> before I send it back because I'm like, this is some good material right here. And it was, it yeah. was the first time I saw a system where it wasn't about like, you know, most self-defense is about, okay, if you're in a bus somewhere and someone does this, then you can do this, right? Like wait for them to throw the first punch, wait for them to make the first move. And my attitude about that, even just as someone on the periphery, was if they make the first move, what if I don't even have a chance to make any move? Exactly. You know, what, what if I'm with someone where their protection is on the line now, and I see a threat, and I'm just sitting there going, well, let me make sure that he makes the first move so that when the law gets involved, I'm protected. It's like, well, you may not be alive or you have to, <laughs> your loved ones may be seriously yeah, injured. So that was yeah. the first time I saw an approach where it's like, look, if, if you're sitting at a table and this guy comes up to you, and he, you feel he's a threat, you know, you can punch him right here in the kneecap, and he's going to go down like a little girl. And I was like, wow, this is some pretty hardcore stuff. And said, but but, it was, but it, was, it was all about surviving the situation, not worrying about all these things that are not going to matter if you don't survive, you know? Right. So is, that where, I mean, is that where you pretty much, where you differentiate the actual self-defense with self-protection right there, Tim, is the, actually sitting there and assessing the situation and kind of preparing yourself just in case ahead of time instead of waiting for something to happen and then, oh, how am I going to react to this in comparison Pro- to a response? Yeah, yeah, probably the best way what I, what I do for people with – there's a story out of, uh, you know, when I was uh, – I, I, I go, you know, various places around the world, and I was going to the U.K. a lot. And um, in 2005, I was over there, and, and a story rocked everybody over there. And the story was <clears throat> um, a young guy, he was total Horatio Alger story, brought him up, self, up by the bootsteps. First person not only graduate their version of high school, but literally took himself to law school and, and you know, really made something for himself. He was in a decent part of London, wasn't a bad part of London. The, he got out of the metro stop and he walked through, uh, took a shortcut through the park to his uh, condo. And that sounds like it might be dicey, but really in this part of London, it wasn't anything to worry about other than the fact that he was followed that night. He was followed by two guys who basically you know, held him at knife point up against, uh, up against a tree. Now, this first part of the story is the first part everybody loves because this guy was able to socially, you know, they, they were being definitely antisocial and aggressive in their speech to him, meaning demanding his watch, wallet, and all that other stuff. And this guy basically used his social skills, and he was able to comply, gave them everything they wanted that they had asked for, and they left. And that is the best part of the story. The guy leaves, and they go, hey, wow, everything the cops tell you to do, you know, comply, don't resist, don't do this, everything worked that way. Bad part was they came back. Now, the second time they came back, their heads were down and their knives were drawn. There was no communication whatsoever, and they stabbed him 47 times. And as he was being stabbed, bystanders heard him saying, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. They couldn't understand. You know, he just literally couldn't understand why this was happening to him. And my biggest goal for any client that I, that I come in contact with is to help them make sure that they can differentiate between those two situations where one, you know, allows you the possibility of talking your way out of it, using all your social skills to, uh, you know, get out of a bad situation, talk your way out of it, um, you know, give them what they want. The second situation, though, 
that's completely asocial. And that's where, you know, we, we, we really emphasize, and the thing that saves people's lives, you know, in the 25 years of me doing this, the stuff that comes back to me from my clients is, hey, I recognized quickly this was asocial and I had to take action. Meaning the second time those guys came with the heads down, no communication, knives drawn, they were there to do one thing and one thing only. They were there to kill him. And the only thing that was going to get him out of that particular situation was to put injury on them immediately. And so my biggest goal with people is to educate them on that differentiation. And the problem is in the industry right now, I'm seeing a lot of guys in the reality self-defense, they, they seem to go overboard almost in this um, definition of scaring the crap out of people to take action, meaning right. they, um, they almost try to talk you out of ever having to take action. And I think it's because they're putting the use of violence in the wrong context. You know, um, they're, they're putting in the context of a bar fight. They're putting it in the context of somebody takes your parking space. They're putting it in the context of, hey, this guy at the club said something rude to my wife. Right. Right. All, all those things, all those things are not the time to use the tool of violence. It's incredibly risky to use the right. tool of violence. But on a situation where literally it's a killer be killed, you have to be able to cut through the chaff, recognize that, and be able to take action. And you've got to have clear methods and principles should you have to take action. And that, to me, is the the exciting part. You know, is to be able to give somebody that skill set is just uh, you know really what still drives me. That's important stuff, Tim, because it, it kind of reminds me of when I worked in security at a nightclub that was kind of like that movie Roadhouse in Ohio when I went to college. I was doing, I was a bouncer there, and there would be people where they, they would they would just talk a lot, and then they would do the whole interrogation. And at that point, we would throw them out just because, they, and most of the time, it wouldn't really go any further. But these are people that are just trying to self psych, psych themselves up to do bad intentions. But then sometimes you would look at someone's body language and he would just be walking in a straight line towards someone without saying a word. And that's when you knew this is a guy who really wants to do bad intentions. He's ready to go to this person and, and, and take him down hard because he's not doing the whole interrogation. He's not trying to psych himself up. He's not going over there and, and shouting and then hoping that provokes something. And, and really the key is when you saw that, you had to, initiate, you had to grab this guy and get him out quickly. And I think that that's great advice that you can give someone on the street as well is knowing when to apply what. So, I mean, if someone's about, if someone has really bad intentions towards you and your loved ones, then you're not going to be able to talk yourself out of that. And, right. and, thinking, and thinking that you can talk yourself out of it is going to get you into even more trouble, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the gift you can really give people is that idea. And, and probably the biggest differentiator people come to train with us that they notice is that when we're on the mat and when you're applying injury to, you know, you're learning to, to, to model, either model injury for your partner or to, you know, put injury into the human body, you know, it, you're doing it to your partner. Um, we do it in complete silence. We do it in a completely asocial environment. You know, right. there's no communication um, that goes between the partners, any of the normal communication. There's no, none of the camaraderie that you see like in combat sports. You know, there's no helping each other up. There's no, um, right. you know, exchange. There's no, hey, that was a good one. Right. And, and all those great things that allow, I mean, that's why I love, I love going over to the MMA gym. I actually work out there. Um, they got a nice little setup over there. And, and I love hanging out there because I love the camaraderie. I love to watch the guys. I like to watch them help each other. Um, and, and it truly are. They're, they're just, you know, there's some really just top level individuals there, and it's, you know, it's fun to see that. But none of that exists 
you know, when you're out on the street and somebody just wants to do, you know, what, what you said, Mike, you got a guy beelining in on you, you know, to take action, and there's no communication. You can't engage a guy like that socially. Like you said, you, right. you guys took actions right away. You got him out of there. You physically got him out of there right away to avoid whatever he was about to do. Whereas if you're the person that he's targeting, you have to recognize that quickly. You have to assess, do I have a way out of here? And if you have any way out of there, obviously it's the first thing we tell you to get the hell out of there. But if you don't, you're going to have to take action immediately, and you're going to need a game plan. And that's, yeah. you know, that's really what you know, our training is all about and what we give people. And the cool part about it is you know, I could care less. You know, we give you this objective template of injury to the human body, which everybody understands. And you know, there, there's many different ways to get to an injury, meaning you know, lots of great stuff in other martial arts and combat sports that people have learned will affect an injury on the human body. Um, and that's our whole thing, meaning they'll say, well, hey, you know, if, I, if I did this, and broke the knee, is that okay? I said, you know, the only, the only objective is, did you get an injury from the human body, you know, that takes the brain out of the equation? Because what makes another human being da- dangerous is their ability to think and move. And if you affect an injury on the human body, you know, a broken ankle, um, you know, you, you strike them, you know, to, to, to the solar plexus, you, you attack an organ of the human body, you know, to where they have to go into this autonomic reaction, you know, this spinal reflex reaction that we've all experienced, you know, like stepping on a, um, on a sharp object or, or touching a hot stove, that reflex reaction that we do bypasses our brain. And that's how we define injury, a successful injury in, in, um, in violence, meaning if I can do that to somebody to where they have to react to the trauma without the use of their brain, I've essentially taken their brain away from them, and then I need to exploit that with another injury, and I put serial injury on the person until they're non-functional. Non-functional means they're either injured in such a manner that I know they're no longer a threat, meaning they can't, if I leave them on the ground and they're, even, they're still conscious and turn my back on them to go after my next threat, I know that this guy can't dig a gun out, he doesn't have the ability to, to grab another weapon or get back up and come after me. Um, or I've knocked the person unconscious, I know they're completely out, and I feel good about that, and I can turn my back on them and go after the other threat. Or, yes, you know, they could be dead. Uh, any one of those fits the criteria of non-functional. And at that point is the only point where you can safely turn your back on that threat and get into the next one or get the hell out of there. Right. right. Now, Tim, I know you, you've worked with law enforcement, you've worked with military, and you've also worked with the everyday Joe and Jane that gets off the couch, and they just want to be in a position where they can protect themselves and protect their family. Now, we both know that with law enforcement and with military, there's a different type of psychology with those guys because of the training that they've had. How is it that you assess and, and help with the psychology of the average everyday person who is not necessarily in a situation where they're encountered with violence all the time, like law enforcement and military, and prepare them for, mentally for those scenarios in the, in the situation where you have to tell them, like, there's going to come a situation where you might have to break someone's arm. But to actually have to do it yourself and hear that snap and feel it break, uh, it's a different type of psychology right there. So how do you prepare just the average person that's coming to your seminars for that situation? Yeah, you know, th- that's a great question, Sincere. And you kind of said it, you know, as you talked about everything, you literally took somebody through, you know, breaking an elbow, the snap, the whole thing. The brain needs to go someplace that it hasn't gone or it won't be there for you. Meaning if I don't know what to expect 
when I, you know, do that, that type of an injury on somebody, mm-hmm. if my brain hasn't thoroughly imagined it and, and saw it and then also been given good graphic representation of what to expect, and I haven't seen a model of that injury, I haven't seen somebody modeling that injury to look what success looks like, it's not going to be there for me. You know, it's going to be the surprise, which you see a lot oftentimes in combat sports when there's an injury. Yeah. You know, when a guy rolls up on a guy's ankle and breaks his ankle by accident, you see that it's always a huge surprise. You know, if a guy ends up poking another guy in the eye, it's a, it's a huge surprise, you know, because it's not the goal of combat sports to maim, cripple, and kill. And, uh, you know, it, and nor should it be, you know. Um, you can't pit skill against skill if there's injury involved. And um, that's why using, you know, for, for the layperson, really two things I do. I, I show them um, images and video of real injury what it looks like. I show them images of real violence, acts of violence, and how injury applies. And it looks very different than a combat sport uh, competition or media violence, you know, stuff that you see in the movies and stuff like that. So they, they get to see what real violence looks like. And then probably most importantly, I have a lot of great clips. And I want great meaning the best information you can get on asocial violence, on using violence as a tool, comes from the worst people. And so I have interviews that have been done with members of the Mexican Mafia, members of the Aryan Brotherhood, you know, members of San Reno gangs, um, you know, killers, real killers that are out there and how they use the tool, how they survive in a place, you know, like a high, uh, uh, you know, a high uh, threat prison where it is, you know, literally, you know, a petri dish of asocial violence and how they operate in there. And by giving people access to this information and seeing it, it allows them to put it in the right part of their brain uh, to where, where they can access. Because the one thing that you know, I, I tell everybody is nothing makes these guys special. Nothing, you know, when you look at these acts of violence, nothing makes that individual you know, special other than they have the will to do it. And so what I can do is I can give people the conditions. I, can, I, can, I have work in the conditions where they would ever have to use this information. I can give them more technical information on how to go after the human body than most of the top killers in the world have. You know, I, you can actually do it, and we can do scenarios um, where you're actually practicing it over and over and over again, literally till it's bored, till you see the profiles of the knife coming at you, of the gun coming at you. Um, you get used to, to going after people that have tools. You get used to going after more than one person, and you do it in a way that you're not um, – you're not doing it in a chaotic environment. You know, you're learning it you know, straightforward, and you're learning it in a manner that you absolutely understand how to gauge results, you know, how, how whether you're successful or not. And that's the key to it, meaning um, you know, in a very short amount of time, you can give people really great principles that they can work with where they, they literally you know, use it. You know, I, I, most recently, I had a 52-year-old dentist, this guy, nice guy, Never had had a violent information uh, 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 encounter in his life, ever. He goes to our course about two months after the course. He's going in on a Sunday to practice his, uh, to go in and to do some paperwork for his practice. Goes in, and there's a, there's a, a meth freak kicking in his, uh, his pharmacy you know, to get to the drugs. He sees this guy, bears down. You can tell the guy's completely whacked out of his mind. This guy just bears down. He's trying to dig something out of his pocket. And this dentist realized right then and there, oh, my God, you know, he's digging for something. He wants to, he, you know, he wants to come after me. I, I got to go. I got to get him because he had no exit. Charges the guy, 
uh, charges the guy. As the guy tries to pull something out of his pocket, he's able to strike him to the side of the neck um, and get a result. It's, it's basically if you if you hit the side of the neck, the side of the neck has um, the the jugular, the carotid uh, for blood flow, and then you have the phrenic nerve and the vagus nerve. So you're interrupting nerve flow and blood flow on the side of the neck, and you can get either a fainting response or a concussion when you when you strike it successfully. He was able to strike the side of the neck. He grabbed the guy's head, and this is not a physically big dude. And, and uh, the guy he went after was, you know, 50 pounds bigger than him. And then he ran his head a couple of times into the door jam, um, and knocking, you know, knocking the guy out. And at that point, he recognized non-functional. He recognized the guy was out cold. He went outside, called the cops. Cops came and affected their arrest. They looked at him and they said, <laughs> "You would have been justified." in killing this individual, you know, based on what we just saw and knowing this guy's rap sheet. And, you know, this, this individual literally had gone through, you know, no more than a weekend's worth of training with us during that time, but was able to recognize things because we trained him in principles and we didn't train him in techniques, you know, principles will save your life. Techniques get you killed. Um, he understood how to take advantage of opportunities. We never showed him door jam, you know, take the head to the, to, to the door, door jam multiple times. He just recognized, hey, I've got this in my hand right now. Here's a really nice hard surface, and I know that will affect an injury. And, you know, he literally used it to save his life. The guy never got the knife out of his pocket. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but, but that's, that's the idea. You know, it's a combination of this individual has expo- experienced only a social um, working conditions when he was on the mats with us. He also got immersed, you know, in what real violence looks like and what people that do it at the, you know, literally the top predator level, how they look at it mm-hmm. and, and how the mind operates. And it was there for him when he needed to save his life. Well, definitely. Yeah, that definitely answers my question, even though it doesn't necessarily go into what exactly you taught him over the weekend. But obviously, whatever you <laughs> taught that guy over the weekend, it worked. Some, some scenario came to him and he used it and it saved his life. So other than actually attending your seminar itself, that answers my question. So, well, I think, I think what you taught him, Tim, more than anything else, is the ability to apply that information in a exactly. situation where Usually when most people are in that situation, I mean, it's one thing when you're in a controlled environment and you're trying to learn something, but generally people that are not used to being in a high-stress environment like that, any rational thinking is going to shut off immediately. You know, your blood right. pressure is going to go through the roof, adrenaline is firing. You're lucky if you remember your name at that moment, right, yeah. let alone like any you know, technique, as you mentioned, that you're talking about. So I think right. if, if you don't have a clear idea in your mind of you know, what you're prepared to do, then you're probably not going to do anything. You're just going to freeze. Yeah, and, and that's where that's where like you're focusing on the result. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, right, right. And, and there there are similar concepts in, in fitness, whereas you know you don't get bogged down. You, you just get the guy. You know, you, you get the guy going, and you, and he understands how to. You know, what's interesting is you know how it is. If you can if you can just get a guy, you get that inertia going. If it's in the fitness world, if you can just get him off the couch and starting right. to do something. It will just naturally that inertia will keep going. You know, he'll he'll trigger into something, and then you know what you see. Okay, he took it a little bit further here. Now I can add this to him. Now I can give him this because he's ready for it. And that's kind of the whole thing with violence. You know, you just have to get people to understand that. Hey, studying the tool does not make you a criminal. Does not make you the bad guy. How the tool is used is going to be determined whether or not it was a good use or a bad use of the tool of violence. You know, and I'm not worried about any of the people that show up at my trainings you know, whether or not, you know, they're good people, because 
that the predators don't seek this out. The asocial predators that are out there, right. they wouldn't seek yeah. out my type of training. They'd look right. at it and go, yeah, yeah, that works. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, and also I don't know how methodical they are in, in you know, their abilities where they're thinking, hey, I need to take a course to improve my skill set out there on the streets. You know? it's it's, for those guys, it's literally all the on-the-job training. You know, they'll sit there in the yard yeah, and they'll watch it. They'll watch a guy go after another guy, and they'll see what works. And they'll say, oh, okay, hey, that worked really well. I'm going to do that next time I need to do something to somebody. Or they'll say, oh, that didn't work out well for that dude at all. I'm never doing that. You know? And that's yeah. basically how they, they, they do it. They're, they're just very results-oriented. Right. right. What, can, what can you recommend to avoid being a target in the first place? Right? Because I think that's more than half the battle is some people just carry themselves in a way where they're, they're immediately a target. A, mark. You know, a, a lot yeah. of women, unfortunately, are targets just because they're women, which is why I often tell women, whether they have self-defense skills or not, do yourself a favor. If you're going out with the girls, do valet parking in Vegas. It's just one simple way to avoid putting yourself in potentially a bad situation. You know, valet parking is free here in Vegas. I mean, I do it all the time myself just for convenience. So I don't have to walk around the parking lot all night you know, looking for my car. So, I mean, so what, what strategy, I don't know if this is something that you even teach in your course, but, you know, it just, just talking to you as, as an individual, what, what strategies do you think are effective for just not being a target in the first place? Uh, Mike, Mike, you're talking about, you, 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 I mean, that is a great example that you just gave. And it was so crazy to me is, um, you know, uh, you know, you're like me, you, you do stuff in New York as well. And you, you do, right. and I work with a lot of high profile uh, you know, type A execs, a lot of female execs and stuff. And what's very funny is this, uh, people will, will, I call it basically sleeping with their heads on the railroad tracks. <clears throat> and they think just because the train didn't come that night, you know, that it's never coming. And um, I, 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 I simply just try to have people, you know, take their head off the railroad track as much as possible in their life. And, you know, exactly what you're talking about, you know, valet parking. Excellent observation, you know, on that. The other thing, if you're in a if you're in a city and you're coming out of a club at night or something, you're doing something, you know, anytime after 8:30 at night, hey, spend the 10 or 20 dollars that it's going to cost you to just jump in a cab. You know, I know the subway is cheaper, but that walk to the subway, especially in some of those parts in, of the city, not right. worth the risk. Right. You know, um, and then <clears throat> the other thing is, it's just it's these behavior modifications, and what's really interesting is. The more you give people real information about violence and what it takes to survive a social violence, the behavior modifications they do in their life automatically are amazing, meaning they know inherently what type of risks they've been taking. And they're going to say, you know what, I'm just not going to do that. It's not worth it to me. Uh, it's amazing some of the feedback that I get from people. And this is, this is way more rewarding to me than um, – than the people that unfortunately have to use the information to survive. I mean, that's right, great. Right. But when I can get somebody to come back and say, hey, Tim, I used to operate my life doing X. After coming through the training and seeing what I could possibly get myself into, I've stopped doing X, and now I'm doing Y. And you know what? It's made a huge difference. You know? And, yes, it's a little inconvenient because doing X was a little bit easier for me because it was there, but you know, just not worth the risk. I, I had a guy who was a, a, a very wealthy uh, a Texan, Texas oil guy that came through. And he was your typical, you know, Texas oil guy, man. He was, uh, he looked like a, uh, you know, a, a big old country boy, barroom brawler, very nice guy. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't a jerk or anything, 
But, you know, this dude would like to go to honky-tonks, and, and he was one of those guys <laughs> that if, you know, you gave him a crossword or, or something, he would be the first one to jump in on the bar fight. And <laughs> he, he – uh, he that's came everyone, up to me on the second day <laughs> of training, and he said to me at a break, he goes, hey, I just want to let you know. He goes, I want to thank you. And I'm like, what? You know, I figured he was going to tell me because he learned a whole bunch of, <laughs> whole bunch of new ways to hurt people, you know, basically, because I knew a little bit about the guy. And he said, I called my wife this morning, and I told her that she didn't have to worry about me anymore. And that after taking this course and seeing what, you know, what real violence is all about and educating, you know, being educated the way you've educated me, he goes, I realized two things. One, how lucky I've been all these years that inadvertently I didn't seriously injure somebody in a situation that certainly didn't warrant it. It was completely ego-driven. And number two, how lucky I've been I never ran into anybody that really understood how to do injury or by accident put a severe injury on me. And he said, when I think of all the things that I regularly, you know, recreationally used the tool of violence for and how ridiculous it is, he said, it's just completely changed the way I look at this information. And, and that to me is that, you know, it, when you take a sane socialized individual and you show them this information and you show them how it really works and then you show them objective video of things happening in a bar where two guys get in a fight, they push each other, one guy hits one guy, the other guy, that, that guy hits his head on the concrete and is dead, immediately yeah, dead. Yeah, right, right. You know, and you, and you show, over what? You know, they were arguing over a bar stool or something, you know, right, exactly. at that point. You show them that and you look at it two ways. You go, man, in that context, that sucks. If it was me saving my life, meaning if this was Virginia Tech and that guy's going for a reload and I was able to, put an injury on him where he bounced his head off the concrete and I killed him, man, that's, that's really useful information. It's good to know that, you know, that, that the human body can do that. Um, so you look at it, the tool in the right manner. Um, the problem with the in industry is they put this stuff out either as super aggressive and macho with no understanding. They don't, they don't tell you about trauma to the human body and how systemic trauma to the human body can end up in a lethal situation. You know, not educating a client that way, to me, is doing them a huge disservice. Um, and, and they put it out in context of, you know, totally inappropriate times, meaning, you know, how to deal with bar fights, how to deal with this. They, and, and they rarely want to talk about those, those times, you know, like asocial. They, they don't really want to talk about the Virginia Tech situations, the really the unthinkables. You know, where you have no choice, man. If you don't use violence there, you just, you know, you, you just – basically capitulate and hoping for the best, right. you know, and, and, and that's my big deal. My big deal is I found when I educate people like that, um, they walk away with a much better understanding and the behavior modifications alone are, are really something. I think that's a big part of it right there is just getting people comfortable with being in that situation and what they're going to do. Because if it's something unfamiliar, you're automatically going to go into that kind of choke response where you freeze, you don't know what to do. It's kind of like if we're all watching a concert and then all of a sudden someone says, hey, Mike, why don't you come up here and sing the next song? You know, I'm going to choke. I can't say I'm going to like, what? I'm going to be sweating bullets sitting there and just see like it. I put the spotlight on me. Come on, Mike, come on up. Let's give Mike a hand. Sing the next song. You know, I've never been in that situation. But I mean, if I've been taking singing lessons my whole life and I'm a performer myself, you know, no problem. I don't need trade. I can just jump up on the spot 
and get up there and do a thing. You know, if, if someone asked me to come up there and do a, you know, a kettlebell snatch, no big thing. You know, I could, <laughs> I've been doing that for years. So I think, oh. I think one of the good things about your course, among many things, is the fact that I think you're getting people to think about these situations and then learn a skill set that they can actually apply in the situation so that if they're ever in that situation, and hopefully they go their whole life and never have to apply those skills. Right. But if they are in that situation, they actually have a framework that they can go to now. It's like, you know what? This is exactly what Tim was talking about. And it's ingrained in them. They've gone through, and you're actually, you, people aren't just sitting around in the classroom watching you lecture at your events. You're very hands-on. Now, when I, was, when, I sat, when I was there for an hour one time, I mean, the whole time, students were on their feet working on stuff. So I think that having that practice gives you a very useful skill. If mentally you know what you're going to do, and then practice-wise, you've actually gone through these motions. Right. Yeah, and that, and that actually is the most important part is that kinesthetic awareness of, of what you're right. actually doing, right. you know, the, the, working those sight pictures, understanding what it's like to put body weight, you know, through that vulnerable part of the human body and get a result and do that. You know, that's the thing. If we only talk about it, it's not going to be there for you. If we right. do it without proper explanation of when to do it, it's not going to be there for us. You know, and, and that's why, you know, if I'm taking people that I know are, you know, good citizens, sane, socialized human beings, um, then I have to give them that roadmap so they completely understand when they'd ever use it and understand, oh, no, no, this is the only thing I can do to save my life right now. And then they're okay with it and they, and they can go there. Um, when, when Sincere was asking about, like, uh, dealing with uh, um, military and law enforcement, that's the, actually, I find dealing with those guys more challenging than dealing with civilians because civilians basically, uh, when threatened, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, bigger, faster, stronger threat. Usually the threat has weapons. Usually the threat has more than one person involved. And in those conditions, just about across the nation, you're pretty much free to, you know, absolutely protect yourself from grievous bodily harm far more so than, you know, military and law enforcement where they have to also go through the idea of dealing with, you know, in the military you've got to deal with rules of engagement, and then with, the, um, with law enforcement you have to deal with um, the force continuum. And, you know, their jobs are different, you know. Um, uh, you know, depending on that, um, they have to understand, you know, it's really a nebulous area for them to, uh, to navigate to justify lethal force. You know, when the officer or the operator's life is in danger, is really my specialty, and that's what we talk about. And there's, there's lots of training at the lower levels of the force continuum and lower levels of, um, you know, the rules of engagement. But basically what's so maddening to me is when these guys are at a point to where they're absolutely in danger, you know, life is on the line, most of the, the defensive tactics training or the military hand-to-hand combat training basically says, okay, well, you know, do whatever it takes, dot, dot, dot. You know, and, and that's where these guys need the, the most specific information and the most, you know, um, you know, critical principles on how to get a result and how to use injury to save their life when it's completely justified for both of those, um, those groups. And, and that, to me, is the challenge of getting that information out. And uh, that will probably be an upcoming book that I have is, is really, you know, going to, you know, the military and law enforcement world on how to, talk about injury to the human body and how actually applying injury, um, you know, in, in situations where now we're killing people rather than just, you know, injuring them. I mean, you had that incident in Toronto where you had a, you know, basically a deranged kid with a knife who would not put the knife down and an officer completely overreacted and shot him seven times. You know, my uncles, my great uncles were Boston cops 
In that situation, they would have literally taken out their straight baton, walked right in, racked the guy in the wrist, had him drop the knife, affected the arrest. And, yes, the guy probably would have had a broken wrist, and that would have had to heal, but he's not dead. Right. You know, um, and, and it's just this this idea of educating people on that. So, you know, it, it's yes, they're they're trained individuals and they're there. But I'll tell you, especially in, in both ends of military and law enforcement, these poor guys are having to think liability first, even though the threat they're facing has no no worries at all. They're there right. just to do harm right. at that point. And we we totally get it. And the interesting part is, the more you train military and law enforcement in the justified use of lethal force and injury to the human body, we have seen in our, in our studies, you know, dramatic drops in uh, excessive use of force and any um, off-duty, you know, risk, meaning going to the bar and getting in fights. Because once these guys are highly educated on how vulnerable the human body is in some aspects and how real injury works, um, they respect the, the, you know, they respect the hell out of that, and they they really drop their um, their use of violence as a game. Meaning, um, you know, that, that that's what we do with combat sports and martial arts. We basically take out all of the areas of the human body that are susceptible to you know grievous bodily harm and injury, right. and then that way we're able to pit skill against skill, weight classes. Um, you know, abilities, and, and, and we can have all that great kind of competition. Um, if you just want to kind of know how to turn that on its head, you look at the UFC. The UFC has, you know, approximately 31 fouls and rules. Of those 31, about 27 of them involve injury to the human body. Right. Right. And so if you just flip, if you flip that on its, uh, you know, on its head and you want to learn how to bypass um, a combat athlete, you know, and not play the game, then all you have to do is affect these injuries, you know, and that's, that's what takes the, the great, you know, aspect of combat sports and turns it, you know, upside down into violence. I, w- I would think that it would be hard for a professional MMA athlete to learn some of your skills, meaning that they're so used to having to follow rule in their mind that I, I wonder how easy it is to turn and turn off those rules. In other words, if they're in a, in a street situation, how fast can they turn off those rules and apply whatever is necessary? You know, law enforcement yeah, yeah. and the military are so programmed to think a certain way. Right, right. Kind of unlearning. Whereas yeah. the layman is a sponge because it's not familiar yeah. to them. They haven't been programmed. Exactly. No, you're right. You're, you guys are right on that. And what's interesting is, um, you know, what, what essentially happens is I, I look at guys and I say, listen, you know, you're going to learn a tool of destruction. You know, you're going to be learning destruction this week and destruction of the human body. We're going to destroy either, you know, a sensory system of the human body or a structure of the human body in order to save our lives. Now, the interesting part about destruction versus competition is competition is a, you know, a rare window. You know, I'm 49 now, and so my, my competitive years are over. You know, I mean, they were over a long time ago for <laughs> combat sports, yeah. you know. Right. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that, but what's great is the skill set of destruction I can use in a lifetime. We've had people, you know, literally in their 70s and early 80s be able to affect an injury on a younger, faster, stronger individual to save their lives. And, you know, destruction doesn't require all of the skill sets that, you know, competition, you know, requires. And so it's a lifelong set. So I tell my, com- my competitors, I say, hey, listen, you know, here's, here's a skill set that you can template over what you're currently doing. At some point, you know, you're going to know when your competition days are over as far as when it comes to combat sports. 
what's great is you can still get all the a lot of the benefits and the fun that you had doing it, but now apply it to self protection, apply it to you know skill sets that'll save your life, mm-hmm. and and we'll, we'll we'll do that. My competitors also have come back to me and said, hey, you know, a lot of what you teach because we teach sight pictures, you know, how to look for injuries in the human body, and there are a lot of things that we show on the human body as far as you know nerve strikes and some of the uh, some of the striking sequences that, you know, yes, they could, you know, absolutely affect an injury, but um, they are legal, you know, like, like striking the liver, striking the spleen, the lower margin of the rib cage um, area, you can legally do in, in combat sports, you know, striking the side of the neck, you see a lot of inadvertent knockouts right now. And right. the guys are actually using some of that information and they're learning that they can actually get to joint locks much quicker if they strike a nerve first and deaden that area. Um, so they're able to tactically use a lot of the information, and also they said they've told me that it gives them um, a better uh, a better visual sense in the ring. You know, they see more areas available to them on it. So, so it's it's interesting to get that feedback from the guys. You know, when they say that. Now, that's not the reason to do it, and that's certainly not the reason I, I you know I would want somebody to to learn the information. I'm I'm not a guy that trains combat sports, and I'm certainly not um, qualified to do that in my mind. Um, but you know they can apply the information in in ways you know that they can. But um, what's interesting about it is they don't have to really violate stuff. Actually, you know, like I said, you will not do anything outside of your moral code. You know, I mean, if you're a dirtbag and you're already asocial and you're already that type of a person, well, then you're going to misuse whatever information you get. Right. Um, if you're a sane, socialized human being and stuff, you're not going to do so. If you're if you're a, a truly great competitor, you can easily have this information, and it's not going to you know you're not going to automatically do something to injure your opponent you know when it's not warranted. And um, you know that's that's the cool part about this. That's that, and that's probably the biggest misnomer of you know violence. I mean, my biggest thing is that violence has been stigmatized to such a point that the only people that have the tool available to them are all the predators. And so, you know, here we are, you know, we're told that if we even look at this information, we're somehow one of them or we're bad. And, you know, people that truly need this information, you know, because we have a lot more to lose as, you know, productive citizens than any of these scumbags have, you know, and literally in seconds, our lives can be turned upside down by one of these asocial violent attacks. And so I think it's absolutely critical that you know, people living a great life need to understand how violence works. I'm not saying they have to take it to the level I've taken it, you know, to where I'm teaching this stuff, I live it, and it, to me it's fascinating. But just, you know, just like you, you don't necessarily learn to swim, you know, parents don't have their kids learn to swim to be like Michael Phelps. You know, they yeah. initially have their kids yeah. learn to swim because they don't want their kids to drown. And that's the same way I look at the tool of violence. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if you've actually ever had to apply anything that you teach yourself in a real-life situation. Yeah, I've had um, – over the years, I did a lot of contract work, um, you know, military contract work training um, in really, you know, challenging parts of the world. You know, for me, it was mostly South America um, yeah. when, it, when I was down there. And, you know, we've had, I've had criminal activity. I actually had criminal activity in London when I was, a, when I was you know, still going to school over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, I had baseline um, – you know, baseline things I had to do. And what I tell everybody is, you know, at my level, you know, I can do all these really great, you know, things, you know, injury-wise, you know, when I'm training. I mean, you know, when, when, when you take it to the level that, that, 
myself and the instructors take it because we love it, you know, and, and we're really trying to challenge. You know, we can do things like a compound joint break throw, which is a really, you know, challenging, fun thing to do to somebody. Whenever I've had to use this stuff to save my life, it's all been baseline, group right. one level right. stuff. It's just the basics. And, you know, and that's just it. And if you look at real acts of violence, it's nothing that requires, you know, this incredible athleticism or anything. It's just Absolutely. basically throwing your body weight through an area of the other guy's body that can't take it and getting a huge result. And that's a very simple, straightforward thing to be able to do. And, and we yeah. really define the idea of effectiveness versus efficiency, meaning if you come to me, I will not train you in anything in, in efficiency until I know you're effective. I've given you, you know, I like the Tim Ferriss definition of that. That I, I don't think, no, it was his, but I read it first in one of his books where he said, basically, you know, the definition of effectiveness is doing, you know, doing the right things. And right. then the idea of efficiency is once we've identified those right things, then we learn to do those right things the right way. And that's where if, if you already know how to affect injury on the human body, and yes, you know, you understand the results, you understand what the results look like. Well, now, once I know you can take care of yourself, now I can challenge your coordination skills a little bit to make you a little bit more efficient in delivering the tool. But right. it's not necessary to save your life. Pretty much comes down to the more you know, the less you have to do. Absolutely. Now, I was just going to say, I think what a lot of people don't realize in, in a street fight situation is that it's not going to be five, five-minute rounds, you know? <laughs> like the, yeah. the winner, the winner or loser is, is going to be decided in seconds because, I mean, it's, it's, someone's going to get hurt within seconds, and then that's, either you're going to lose very fast or, or you're going to hopefully win very quickly, but it's not going to be something that, you know, you're out there for a half hour in the parking lot <laughs> trading punches <laughs> yeah. until someone's finally knocked out. Right. Yeah, I think that's what the videos that I use really show. When people see real right. acts of violence, it's very different than what they expect it to be. And, right. and that's what, what, what drives them, you know, what really affects people is how fast it happens and how fast injury changes things. And, um, you know, and, and how basic the skill set is to be able to do you know, destruction, meaning it doesn't take this, you know, amazing athleticism to be able to be effective. And, um, you, you know, probably the one I like to – I have this one, you know, one that really sets the tone. Um, an Australian – a champion Australian kickboxer was sent to prison basically on uh, ecstasy charges. He was a big importer of ecstasy. He got caught, and he goes to prison. So his thought process is, okay, I'm going to go in. First day, I'm going to make a statement. So he goes in the yard the first day, beats the crap out of about four or five guys, right, and basically, you know, lays the law that, hey, nobody's going to screw with me. That's, you know, that's it. So I'm here. I'm going to do my time. Everybody will leave me alone. Next day, he's inside, uh, inside the, uh, the, the compound, um, and it basically it looks like a scene out of Oz. He's, he's sitting down at a, basically one of those round tables, one of those round, uh, you know, tables that you see like in lunchrooms and stuff, right. and, uh, you know, that you see in prisons all the time. And he's sitting there, and his back is to the stairs, and you see a guy come running down the stairs, and he's doing it pretty, you know, stealthily, but he's doing it quickly. He's got a pillowcase in his hand, you know, with, with, with something inside the pillowcase. Runs down, just, you know, while this guy's literally just sitting there eating, he just brains him with this pillowcase. Turns out that he... Um, you know, he basically had one of his buddies, you know, had his ass kicked yesterday by this guy. 
and that was, he was part of another prison gang, and he decided, you know what? I saw this guy's skill set. I know he's a good fighter, so I don't want to go there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hook up with my buddy in the prison kitchen. He's going to get me a little panini maker, like a little George Foreman grill. I bet if I put it in this pillowcase and I rack him with it as many times as I can in the head, that'll probably put him down. And guess what? It worked really well. He tags the guy in the head, hits him twice before people jump on him and stop him, and he puts this guy into a coma. And, uh, you know, that to me is, is kind of, you know, the definition. Here's this amazingly skilled guy. And I mean, one of my, I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't mean this like I'm making fun of martial artists or combat sport athletes, but I do collect information, you know, like articles, and it's always the same. You know, champion boxer stabbed. Um, you know, uh, uh, a Muay Thai, uh, there's a great one of Alex Gong, uh, just an amazing uh, yeah. Yeah. Muay Thai guy that was shot over just the most ridiculous thing. I mean, here's right. this, this guy, this amazing guy. He was going to change the way Americans were going to be viewed as, as competitors in Muay Thai. He's up training at his place in San Francisco. Two of his students are outside. They see a guy driving down the street, and he ends up sideswiping Alex's car, does a quick U-turn, and heads back towards the Golden Gate Bridge. And, of course, it's, it's San Fran. It's traffic. So they run in the gym. They tell Alex he's working in the um, – He's working in the, uh, the ring, and uh, they tell him, hey, you know, somebody just hit your car, and he's, he's right over there. You, know, you can still see his car. So he literally still has his gloves on, still has his Muay Thai gear on, jumps out of the ring, runs down the street like this, you know, completely dressed, right? Runs down the street and gets up to this guy's car, starts pounding on the guy's car. You know, hey, motherfucker, you did this, you did that. And this guy looks up, sees him. He pulls a forty-five and blows him in the chest twice. Yeah, I remember that. He, he was yeah. a he was an escaped convict who was yeah. literally on a warrant. Took his girlfriend's car and he'd just gone down the wrong street. And he went up and he literally he looked at that. You know, he, you know, he sits there and goes, "Okay, guy dressed in Muay Thai gear, looks like he's super fit, pounding <laughs> on my car. Nah, I think I'll just shoot him." And, and, did it. and my whole thought process is, you know, we lost this amazing competitor over what? Something that auto insurance covers. Right. I think what you teach is when to apply the stuff and when not to apply it. I think that's probably equally as important as some things are not worth putting your life over. You know, someone hits your car and drives off, it, is, it, is it worth you, you know, running after that person yeah. trying to inflict damage, but it's not always to think about that in that situation, because I remember I, I did, I shot a course one time, and I, I parked my car overnight, so I was only gone for a couple of days, and I'm, I'm walking up to my car, and as I get in, I notice that someone's keyed both sides, keyed one side, and then I go to the other side, they keyed that side, and I was so angry about that, I had to think that if I had caught that person in the act, I, I, I mean, I don't, I think old rational thinking would have shut off, I would have just ran up to this guy and, and you know, try to put a hurry oh, yeah. on him. And then, but, so that, but then that could have been, that could have put me in a life-threatening situation where I get seriously injured over something that at the end of the day is not, it's not, doesn't really matter, right? It's just like some damage here. It's not worth putting your life in harm's way. But it, I think it's hard to shut that process off. Is that, is that something that you try to address with people or, or even yeah. yourself? You know, how, how do you shut these things off where you're going, okay, I know how to defend myself in a life-threatening situation, but this isn't one right now. So it's, it's, this is a bad situation, but it's not worth putting my life in harm's way here. Or your freedom. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of my, um, a lot of my, my instructors, you know, we've known each other for a long time. There's a group of us, and we jokingly call ourselves the Silverbacks. 
because you know we've yeah. been around forever and we're still around you know and and it gets it gets easier as you get older you know right. i was very lucky that i had an incident happen to me when i was 19 years old that stuck with me the rest of my life and it's not going to sound like much but it absolutely changed i went to school at usc and usc is in la and it's not in the best part of town um I had I had lived in a little bungalow by the Shrine Auditorium, and that's not a great part of the USC campus. But it was cheap rent, and you know my buddy and I lived at this place. So I I came out. I literally had a ten speed bike at the time, and I leave this ten speed bike out on my like an idiot. I leave it out on my porch because my phone was ringing, and I went in to go get the phone. Well, I hear this. I hear some you know movement on my porch. And I'm talking on the phone, and then I hear some, you know, something, you know, get moved. I'm going, oh shit! I think somebody just took my bike. Sure enough, I run outside, and these two kids are taking the bike, and they're pretty, you know, they're halfway down the street. I start running after them. They start running faster with the bike and stuff, and they got a good, they good lead on me. They start going down these back, and, and if anybody knows USC and so the campus. You go a couple of streets in the wrong direction, and you are in the heart of it, man. I mean, you're right. truly in, in training right. day territory, you know. <laughs> right. And um, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm running down one of these streets, and just I, something just hit my body. All these nonverbal cues, everything just you know, almost froze me. It was like my body was just screaming at me, and I just looked, and those two guys looked back at me. You know, they were halfway down the street. And I just turned around and I left and I gave it to him because I realized I'm entering a world I know nothing about. I don't know any of these people in here. And, you know, this is not going to end well for me over what? A bike? And I just, you know, and, and as a young man, for that to happen to you is really tough because, you know, like you said, Mike, when you're in your 20s and stuff, I mean, especially, you know, you just want to engage everybody. At that right. point, and you, you'll right. you'll defend you'll defend you know you'll you'll fight at the drop of a hat, especially most men, and that that would that taught me a lot, and that's my whole thing is you know we never know the response of the other person. We have you know dis- disproportional use of violence is just you know incredible. I've many videos of guys that literally they thought they were in this antisocial exchange. The other guy just whips a gun out and literally shoots him you know right, right in front of his face right. over right. nothing, you yeah. know, and that's that's, that's what we always have to deal with, and so. The more you expose people to that, the more you show them that, and and their, you know, the behavior modifications happen within, you know, their their own time frames. Right. I don't think anyone ever really wins in most fights because, and I'm just talking about, you know, getting into a fight over something dumb like a verbal confrontation in a bar or something like that. Because even if you win, you put the hurt on this other guy. Chances are that person's going to retaliate in some way. You know, you're going to be right. walking out of the bar two hours later, and you're going to get jumped, or you'll be walking around a month later, totally forgotten about it, and that person happens to see you and say, like, "Hey, that's the guy who did this." They're like, "Oh, really? Well, let's go take him out right now." You know, it never really ends. So it's yeah. not like that. But if you just walk away and nothing happens, then it does end, right? I mean, if, if you can in that situation yeah. where you realize, you know what, this is over something stupid, and that, that happened to me like years ago, like someone opened a door on me and it like slammed in my shoulder, and I was already in an irritable mood that day over something else. So I kind of went off on the guy, and the guy was totally apologetic. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And then I still kept it going. And then the guy, you know, to, to be fair to him, he was crazy. He was like, you know what? I said I'm sorry. You know, there's not much else I can do. And then I was like, you know what? Just F up something like that. And then, like, it almost got into, like, a physical confrontation. And then I had that moment of clarity where I'm going, this is stupid. You know, this, first of all, this guy didn't do this intentionally. Second of all, he did apologize. 
So, I mean, how dumb would it be to get into a fist fight over this? This is totally moronic. But fortunately, I, I had that moment of clarity in that situation because otherwise, you may have just thrown a fist at this guy immediately thinking that it's intentional. And then you realize, you know, you get just like some seriously, you get yourself into a whole world of trouble. Either the law gets involved or you're getting sued now or <laughs> you're getting arrested. Who knows? So I, I think people have to really think about the consequences of their actions in that, yes, if it's a life-threatening situation, absolutely. You, know, you do what you have to do to survive that. But if it isn't, you know, I think you should do what you have to do to walk away from that. Yeah, I mean, back, I mean back when I used to work in DJ and clubs and all that, I used, that was a nightly thing to see that from, <laughs> behind, the tur- from behind the turntables. So I had enough <laughs> – I had so many real life. I didn't need a video or anything like that. I used to see it every now. I'm like, you know what? That was really <laughs> stupid. And a lot of times you see guys get arrested for nothing, or you see the bouncers pretty much treating these guys like a basketball, and they'll get slammed on the dance floor in front of everybody because it's always something really stupid. Or the guy right. touches other guy's girl, and and all this other madness. And during those situations, I realized, you know, this is just so dumb. And it, what I come to realize, just as Tim said, as you get older, it gets easier. What ends up happening now is like when someone says, come to, you know, hey, I'm going to be at the club. You want to come out to the club and hang out with us? You want to come out to the bar? Dude, I'm 41, and I've seen enough. I saw enough in those 20 years of being in the music industry and being in those situations where I don't want to even subject myself to that. It may not even happen that night, but I don't want to put myself in a situation where the likelihood of it happening is so much higher than me sitting here at my house and watching some things on my computer or on my TV or sitting here with my wife and my dog where the situation is probably, the risk is probably going to be a lot lower. So I could probably <laughs> just do without that because I've seen it too many times and I've had guys, even in the club, accidentally step on my shoe or something like that and they're already ready for battle. So they're, they're turning around like, protect, you know, pretty much get in defense mode because they think I'm going to do something. I'm like, it's cool, dude. You're good. It's just a freaking <laughs> pair of shoes. It's a yeah, pair of right. shoes. The club is packed. You're drunk, which means you probably can, you really can't even walk straight right now. So I, I understand why you stepped on my foot. So, and I don't, I'm not even going to let the ego get in the way and say, you're not going to apologize. Now, trust me, there was about a slim window of my life where that guy would have been me like, oh, dude, you're just going to step on my shoe and not say anything? So right, just right. kind of the whole, yeah. you know, dude, be respectful. But at the same time, now I'm like, dude, first of all, I have too much to lose to even deal with someone like that. I have a family. I, I, I'm a, I have a happy life. And that's the biggest thing I don't want to lose right there. So it's not even worth you stepping on my foot. But, again, kind of like what Tim said, took that moment of clarity at a young age. You know, and for most of us to be young and go through those situations and think like that, it's, it's huge. Because, again, when you're in your late teens, early 20s, you think you're freaking invincible, man. That testosterone is really – it becomes a blessing and a curse during that time period, man, because it's just natural. Violence has been around forever, and I think that's one of the things that we all have to understand. It's been around forever. We've always been violent. At the end of the day, we're all – at the core of you humans are we're animals, <laughs> and, and animals are violent, but they're also very caring. So it's just pretty much – most animals are violent because they're doing it out of survival in order to not be attacked or to eat. We're not in that situation at this point unless it's happening to us from someone else. So I, I think when we can make peace, that violence is real and it's been around forever. It's not something new that came with Hollywood and all the movies in the last 30 years. I think we can, we can go to a, to a workshop like Tim's and we're not going to be in so much shock that, wow, this is happening. This, this is really happening right now. Dude, turn on the news. This is happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the great phenomenon going on right now, I just got inundated. We wrote a blog post on it. Um, is that, you know, the knockout game that's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Going knock the, people out and, and on YouTube. If, you, yeah. if you understand that the how violence works, there's no surprise there. Oh, you know, run up, 
you know, to, you know, sucker punch somebody unaware in a way that you can cause a concussion or you can cause a knockout. And, you know, hey, look, it works really well. You know, the, the, the human body complies with that and, right. and can go down. And I don't mean that like you're dismissing it. Yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's you know, it's abhorrent to us and all those other things. But these people, like this visceral response I get from people, like, oh, we got to stop. It's like, if you understand human beings, you know, that there's that part of the population that gets fascinated with, with violence, and this stuff's been going around. These, these, this video, for whatever reason, you know, all of a sudden got the play. But I mean, I've been getting this stuff, and I got tons of it. You know, I've, literally for the last 15 years, I've been seeing some version of this, you know, mm-hmm. being done. And uh, but you know, the social media just was able to to give it a lot of press, and um, it's just been interesting. You know, the response that people have to it, and it just shows me that people just aren't aware of how violence works. And, um, you know, to, to me, that's, that's what I can give my clients. You know, my clients can come back and go, okay, yeah, this, uh, that sucks. It's too bad. I feel, feel bad for the victim on this, but I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I'm not, yeah, okay, that's exactly what should have happened, you know. If somebody runs up and they, they, they do that and they do it correctly, they're going to get a result like that. And I understand that because that's the way violence works. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what I want to do is I just want to inoculate people from a couple of things. I want them to know that, you know, hey, there are times that, you know, my 25 years of doing this stuff gives me no immunity from the tool of violence. You know, I walk out this door at my house, I get caught with a pipe to the back of my head, I go down just like anybody else. Right. Violence only works if you're the one doing it to the other person. And, you know, so your goal is if it's a situation where you have no choice and you have to get into action, then if you can think and move, your only job at that point is to find, uh, you know, find an area on that human body on the other guy and put an injury into it. Because that's the only thing that's going to change things in your favor and survive. And and it's a pretty simple, straightforward strategy that, you know, you can really, you know, easily train your brain to to react that way. Um, Where it gets chaotic is where we try to do a bunch of things where we're trying to counter stuff that's already been done. We're trying to figure out what the other guy's up to, all those other things. That, that can cause hesitation and, and paralysis. You know, I never want to take away anybody's ability to, uh, you know, you know that, that true gift of fear. You know, uh, you know, Gavin DeBecker has a great book called The Gift of Fear, and, and it's absolutely true. Fear is a fantastic motivator, so I never want to take that away from anybody. What I don't want to do, though, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to, you know, I don't want to cause paralysis. I don't want to cause, you know, hesitation. I don't want you to sit there and freeze because that's where you just, it, things can go horribly wrong for you. Um, and, and that's kind of the goal. Yeah, I know you mentioned back in like 89, like with the, the Berlin Wall coming down, communism was, Russia was being dismantled and broken apart. Pretty much you guys said that you're starting to see a scenario that you weren't used to, which is pretty much predicting where we are now. Violence has been rising since that time, even though most people think it's a more peaceful time with all those things and like Europe breaking down as far as communism. But, you know, we have all these other situations going on around the world. So, I mean, things are going on in the Philippines. Things are going on in Asia. Things are going on in the Middle East. Things are going on right here in our own backyard. And with violence rising have you seen in your workshops which when i go to your website almost every workshop every seminar you have is sold out so yeah. i have to ask do you see with violence rising do you see that the need for your workshops and your seminars they're rising you, the demand for it people signing up do you see that rising as well to go along with the time you know it, it, it's funny sincere i had uh you know after 9 11 it was you know uh, there's a huge huge spike and there's been uh, a huge spike after the crash. After the crash of 2008, 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've just never really recovered from that. And people are, there's a lot more desperation going on right now. And people yeah. are really scared. And yeah. right. if you have something, you want to hold on to it. You know, this mentality, you know, that in the U.S. that I've seen, I've seen it around the world, you know, because I, I do this stuff all over the world. And so when I go to like Asia and I go to like, you know, India, you know, parts of people that are absolutely used to dealing with this types of, these types of desperate times, mm-hmm. it's just a case in point. You know, people are, people are more used to it. And, and, and they're, it's new to us right now. You know, we've basically been prosperous for the last 50 years. And, you know, we really haven't had some of the things happening that are happening now. And, and then you got all these other misnomers, you know, because they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, the murder rate's the lowest it's been in, you know, the last 20 years. And right. is, it, is it because people are less violent or is it because medical technology has improved amazingly exactly. and right. stuff that would have literally dying. killed you 10 years ago, people are surviving, you know, right. we're getting better medical technology, but we're not, we're no less violent. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, there's a much more awareness and, uh, people are, you know, people are seeking this out. You know, you see it just in the, in the gun ownership, you see, you know, yeah. the, the, the skyrocketing, you know, um, you know, increases in gun buys just in the yeah. last six years. It's, it's just it's staggering. Yeah, I'm here in Texas, so the concealed carry permits are, I mean, you see Groupon deals every other day <laughs> for a concealed carry yeah. for $59, and they're always sold out right off the uh-huh. bat. So, which is, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, the murder rate is going down in Texas big time because we don't know who's packing a gun anymore. So, yeah. I mean, you, you see videos, you see the cop, the off-duty cop, or you see the citizen sitting in the movie theater, and as soon as something's breaking out, they're trying to make sure it's not going to be another Colorado situation. Here's grandma coming out with her 22, and she's busting caps. <laughs> she's busting caps yeah. on the local Mexican gang member right here in the movie theater because we oh, yeah. don't know who's packing anymore. So, yeah. And then the other reason Tim says sold out on all of his courses sincere is because it's an effective marketing technique. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you ever you ever go to someone's course where it says sold out and there's three people at the three course? People. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm not saying this to you, Tim. I'm just joking around because Tim. Tim oh no, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I, 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 but in the age of Dan Kennedy, everyone uses like these marketing uh, techniques. Just oh like, oh, God. I can only take one more person for the course, and then you show yeah. up and there's five people in the room. Yeah, it's so, so it's, funny. Uh, yeah, you can see those things, and you actually just. If you're someone like us, you kind of recognize right off the bat, like, look who the host is. And as soon as I yeah, see yeah. that, I'm like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Or I have you no, know, only, two, only two spots left. What, two out of five? Oh. Yeah, well, the best, part, the best part is you show up. You, you, you show up, and, uh, you know, there's probably five guys that actually paid, and you know all the other guys. You know, and, and they're all just hanging. They're, they're hanging out. You know, they're, they didn't pay for it or anything, but it's sold game. out all of a sudden. I, just, it's, I love it now is that people will have like 20 of their friends show up and then they take a bunch of photos so they, they can post those on Facebook afterwards like wow look at the turnout I had yeah. Like, yeah but the part you're not mentioning is that only 5 out of 20 paid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just cracks me up no but Tim's courses are always sold out and I actually the one I went to in Vegas I mean there were like 30 people in that room and I know there were more people who wanted to get in because so your information is awesome you do a great job and, and your courses are definitely in high demand and uh, thanks so much for coming on for such a long time, Tim. We appreciate it. Guys, this and is a well, real pleasure. Yeah, man. I'd uh, love to have you on again. Tim Larkin, author of Survive the Unthinkable, A Total Guide to Women's Self-Protection. And I think it's safe to say that men should buy this book, too. Exactly. And that, yeah. and that women should definitely buy it because I think, I think Tim's information, more than anyone else, is so tailor-made for women because – 
you don't have to be physically strong. You don't have to have a high level of physical fitness. You don't have to have a martial arts background. You don't have to have any of those things to take his course and leave feeling way more empowered, knowing that you have this skill set now and this mindset to survive a bad situation. And you can also check out all of the courses Tim has coming up. He's got videos of courses he's done. He's got other books he's written. He's got a ton of great free information at targetfocustraining.com. And is there anything else you wanted to bring up, Tim, or any, anything you're working on that you wanted to plug or any event in the, that's coming up immediately? You know, no, our, our schedule for 214 is going to be coming out in the next week or so. Um, we're doing a, a, we're doing a Thanksgiving uh, sale right now. We're you know usually once a year. We're not one of those groups that does sales a lot, but now's a great time to take advantage. But you know, Mike, for your people though, what I'd really like to do is just you know tell them there's I give a lot of free content, and if they just go give me the email address, there's no BS. We don't sell the email addresses or anything like that. But you'll get a lot of great free content. If if what you heard was interesting and you want um, some more you know uh, in depth information, we provide a lot of great free information, and I'd encourage everybody to check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Tim, and you have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, let's get in touch, man. It's been a while. so I'll, I'll It's been way too long, man. Yeah, I'll hit you up. Let's, let's grab lunch or get a workout in soon. Perfect. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see if I can get by. Hopefully, there'll be some standby spaces in those Dallas courses that you have coming up. You're too close to hey, home sincere, for me. You're sincere, way too close to me to get please, in, man. Please come, please come as my guest anytime. I would, I'd, love awesome. to ha- I'd love to have you. Appreciate it. So, yeah, definitely. I'll try to get up there in October for the Dallas workshop that you have coming up then. That'd be um, great, man. Awesome. Appreciate that. Awesome, Tim. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Take care, guys. Take care, man. And that, again, is Tim Larkin, author of Survive the Unthinkable, a Total Guide to Women's Self-Protection, which uh, actually I'm going to check that, out, that book out myself today. I, I noticed that yeah, last night. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize Tim had come out with it. I've read some of his previous books, which are awesome, and uh, I, haven't, I didn't realize that one was out, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Sounds like a good gift, too. And if you've got yeah, well, I mean, good I mean, Christmas yeah, gifts, that's Yeah, that's man, right it looks really there. good. Yeah, yeah. it looks really good. And plus, as a man who has a daughter – that interests me big time, man. a teenage yeah. daughter at that. So it's going to be very beneficial for me to get that book and then pass that book along to my daughter as well. So I'm, up, I'm always showing her different things that I've learned, and, you know, Muay Thai class and Jiu-Jitsu and things I've learned from Krav Maga and just little simple things, not trying to overwhelm her with too much stuff, but just little simple, just basics. And, and also right. trying to create these scenarios. And, you know, I've had people like, why would you tell your daughter that sort of thing? Because you know what? It's real life. It happens. And especially at the age she's at now, when you're a teenager, it's real easy, especially by the time she just got in high school, by the time she gets to being a senior or whatever, there's going to be the situation where there's a sleepover, there's a party or something like that, and especially right. when the college, and it's going to be, there's going to be some jerks around. You never know what the right. scenario is going to be. Or the same thing with my son. My middle son, he's in college right now. There are a lot of things he needs to understand. He's in a fraternity, and, you know, that's just a breeding ground for a lot of stupidity. It's what people getting drunk and egos are in the way, girls are involved. So you never know. It's, all, it's always great. So parents out there, I definitely encourage you to check out Tim's products as well in his books. It can be a matter of life and death, not just for you, but for your children as well. Yeah, and, and you know, having sat in on one of his courses before, and, and the only reason I didn't take the course is because it was on a day where I was actually about to teach a course. So I just sat on his for an hour, then I had to go do yeah. mine. So I, next time he, he does a course, I'd love to take it. In fact, it would be cool if you and I took it together. That would be awesome. Hey, well, you want to come to Vegas my birthday weekend, so maybe we can do it there. Yeah, yeah, let's try to figure something out because I think it would be cool. To, I think it would be fun to go through that, and then we could do a show about our experience there and so forth. 
But uh, one, one thing I can say about Tim is that he, he's a very respectful instructor, meaning that men, women, young, old, you, you don't, feel, don't think that you're going to be walking into some kind of boot camp situation where he's going to make you say yes, sir, or no, sir, or drop you for push-ups or any of that nonsense. Right. You know, he's, he's a very competent, straightforward, no-nonsense instructor, but he's, he's also very good at, at getting people to feel comfortable with his information. So you're not, it's not going to be something where he's going to try to intimidate you in any way or, or any of his assistant instructors are. You're going to definitely work hard. It's going to be no nonsense, and there's no messing around. But at the same time, which is the way it should be for this kind of a, this kind of event, but it's also not something where he's not going to try to put you through some kind of paramilitary experience. Don't worry about right. that. So check out targetsfocustraining.com for more info on that. And I think we'll definitely have Tim come back again as as a guest and talk about these things more because yep. I mean, yeah, you, you could tell that you and I were just, we didn't want to interrupt him. We were just listening the whole time he was talking and it was all interesting information. You know what I mean? Right. You're going to talk yeah, to him for another hour. Like of, yeah. It's the thing I've been interested in for a long time. And yeah. plus I've seen Tim like on the cover of black belt. I've seen his material before in the past, especially when I first got into martial arts. So I mean, just, it was very interesting just to actually have him on the line and actually talk about these things, not just reading them and reading yeah. his articles or reading interviews from him. It's like getting it from the source himself. And I've looked at his seminars in the past and I always try to distinguish, okay, what, do I go to this one? Do I go to this one? Do I go to this one? But yeah, definitely, man. I think we should try to shoot for getting there that weekend in June out in Vegas. No, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be really cool. Okay, cool. and we're going to wrap it up there, folks, because we know we don't want to get any complaints about you telling us that our <laughs> downloads are too long. So um, thanks a lot for all the reviews. This is how we do it, folks. Here's a new formula. So when you go on iTunes or Stitcher, this is what we want you to do. Subscribe, then rate and review, then you email us, and we'll hook you up because right now we're probably about 25, I think maybe 30, or 30 reviews away from having those 100 reviews that we were talking about. Last time I checked, also, we were right at 70. Thank you guys for all the great feedback. Too, I've, seen, I've had a few people email us where I don't see their reviews at all. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up some serum. That is take a screenshot of your review and send it over. And I'm not saying that you're not putting the review up. I'm just saying that there might be some kind of technical error where it didn't go through. So make sure the review goes through. Screenshot, email it to us. Like Sincere said, subscribe to the show, and then we'll hook you up. And we don't have many. Uh, we're going to cap it at 100, and we're not that right. worried yet about 75. So once yeah. we get to 100, don't, don't be number 101 and say, hey, uh, can I still get that? Because the answer is going to be no. <laughs> so make sure you're one of the next 25 people and, and do it today. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till after work. Do it right now. Go do the review, screenshot, get it over to us. You're going to get my free hormone optimization lecture. You're going to get some Sears book. I mean, come on. What more do you need? Yeah, and as far as screenshots, you're going to be that technical. You don't have to use the, the Microsoft-like um, snipping tool that they have on Windows or whatever screenshot software that came with your Mac. You can just take your cell phone, take a picture, send us a picture. Just yeah. attach it to the email. That works, too. You know me. I'm very low-tech with everything. I'm all about trying to have a low-tech, big-effect thing. So you don't have to sit there yeah. and go and try to act like a programmer. Take a snapshot with your camera instead of taking a selfie of yourself and putting it on Instagram, and then we'll hook you up with something. So right. there you exactly. go, folks. Yeah, thanks a lot for all the reviews, stuff, folks. I mean, we, we, we've, got a, we've had a lot of reviews come in since we started doing this offer, which, which just goes to show that uh, you, know, you can get a lot more with a nice word and a bribe than just a nice word alone. Or, you know, as my mom used to say, <laughs> you, you can attract a lot more flies with sugar than you can with vinegar. <laughs> so. It goes to show, when you give away free information, people get motivated to actually act. Isn't that funny? Exactly. It's like, hey, can you give us a review? What am I going to get out of it? Nothing? Nah, <laughs> I'll hold off on that. Oh, I'm going to get that? Shit, I'll go do that review right now. <laughs> there you go, son. Keep those reviews coming. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great week. Take care, everyone. Bye.